0: You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. We're here to worship the Lord. And uh, as a call to worship, I want to use some words from Isaiah 9, verse 6, just part of it. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Let's uh, stand to worship God as we sing the carol, Heart the Herald Angels Sing. Lord, as ever when we come into your presence, we humbly bow before you. We bow our heads and bow our hearts before you, the sovereign Lord. We come to acknowledge our absolute dependence upon you. You're the God who provides everything for us, the very air we breathe, the food we eat, the clothes we wear, the homes we live in the warmth and shelter and love of our families. We thank you for employment, for work to do to earn a living. We thank you for the ability to do that. Lord, so often we take these basic things of life for granted. Forgive us for that, Lord. You're the God who not only provides the necessities of life, but far, far more besides. Lord, you've lavished your love upon us, not only materially, but especially spiritually. You've given us of your very best. We thank you for your indescribable gift to us in the person of the Lord Jesus, the darling of God sent into this broken, fallen world, to die for, for guilty sinners like us. We thank you for that greatest expression of your love. We, we experience your love in so many ways, but here supremely in the sending of your son, sending him knowing that cruel men would take him and put him to death. Lord, we thank you that death couldn't hold him, but the third day he rose victorious and that he ascended to your right hand, and there he continues to intercede in our behalf. We thank you that you didn't leave us comfortless, but you left us your Holy Spirit. And thank you for him who points us to Christ, him who brings us under conviction of sin, him who leads us to eternal life, to the Lord Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, We humbly bow before you and worship and adore you. Thank you for bringing us to this service of worship this evening at this lovely time of the year when we remember the first coming of the Lord Jesus. Lord, may our worship, may our, uh, our singing of praise, may our praying of praise, may our speaking of praise to you be acceptable in your sight. May it bring glory to your name. Please forgive us for our many sins Lord we're aware of so many sins and yet we're not aware of all our sins we sin even when we're not aware of it forgive us Lord for all our sins sins of omission as well as sins of commission thank you that whenever we confess them then they're covered by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus as far as East is from the West so far does He remove our transgressions from us? So, Lord, we we pray for a fresh cleansing, that our that our worship would be acceptable and well pleasing in Your sight, and we ask it all in Jesus' name, and for His sake. Amen. Now we're going to sing the Carol Crown hymn. <laughs> 9, and from verse 1, let's hear the word of God. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Ending at verse 7, we know the Lord will bless this reading of his truth for Christ's sake. Amen. Now the choir are going to sing, Glory, Let There Be Peace. to sit down there to get the full benefit of that. Thank you, choir. That was absolutely fabulous. I haven't seen so much glitter since uh, <laughs> since strictly last night in the final. <laughs> but but it, it really was very, very good. I, I mean your singing, not just the final. The final was good too, mind you. But. Anyway, we're going to stand again and sing praise to God with the oh O come all ye faithful. Oh come all ye unfaithful. Is this a? Oh, you're right. <laughs> okay. I'll read what's in front of me. The first Noel, the carol, that's what we're going to sing. And then you're going to sing, O come. Right. Okay. That'll be interesting. あ。<音楽> to come again. And this time, this is not a misprint. Oh, come all you unfaithful. so much. That really was a wonderful piece. I want to um, just read another portion. that will be my favorite account of the incarnation from uh, John chapter 1 and from verse 1. It doesn't tell you the story about the shepherds or the stable or the manger, but it, it really puts across in a powerful way what happened when the Lord of glory came to earth. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Ending there at verse 14, we know the Lord will bless this further reading of his truth to all our hearts for Christ's sake. Amen. Now, before we uh, come to the word of God, we're going to sing again the carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Oh. Uh-huh. carols, and those carols are absolutely full of the gospel. You can't sing those carols and not realize that what you're singing is the good news, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And it's just great to, to sing them. And everybody knows them. They're familiar with them. And yet they sing the words and it, it doesn't seem to register. Well, we're going to look at uh, a little phrase that appears in that uh, passage from Isaiah chapter nine and verse six. But before that, we'll just we'll just pray. Let's let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, as we come now to think about Your truth, we pray, God, that You will speak <laughs> with the voice that wakes the dead. That You'll come, Lord, in a way that. Those of us who know you and love you would be that our hearts would be warmed, that, our, that we would be greatly encouraged by what you're doing in our lives. And even for those who as yet are strangers to you, Lord, that, Lord, you would awaken them, that you would quicken them, that, God, you would open their ears and their eyes and their understanding. And move their wills to the glory of your name. We ask it. Amen. This is a very simple message that I want to bring to you this evening, and it's that little phrase from Isaiah 9, verse 6 For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And I want this evening to bring out the force. Of just two words that appear in that sixth verse of Isaiah 9 and it's the words unto us, unto us. And and this is where the full force of the text lies for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the substance of what I want to say is contained in the answer to two questions concerning those two words. And the first question is this, is it so? And the second question, if it is not so, what then? So first of all then, is it so? Is it true that unto us a child is born, that unto us a son is given? Now, there's no doubting the fact that a child is born. We accept the fact as an historical fact. It's fully established. It's probably the most established fact in all of human history that a child is born. Today's date is the 18th of December in the year of our Lord. 2022. The fact of his birth splits our history, if you like, before Christ and after Christ. It's a fact that a child is born. The Son of God became man, was born in Bethlehem, was laid in a manger. And it's a fact that a son is given. We professing to believers in Scripture Receive it as an undeniable truth that God has given his only begotten Son to be the Savior of men. You shall call him Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. But the question is this Is this child born to us? Have we a personal interest in the child of Bethlehem? Do we know that he is our Savior? That he has brought glad tidings to us? That to us he belongs and that we belong to him? Now how do you answer that question? Maybe maybe you're not too sure. How do you answer that question? Let me try and help you to answer this question. Firstly, If this child in a manger in Bethlehem is born to you, then you are born again. For this child is not born to you unless unless, and until you are born again. That's that's a fact. Unless you are born to this child. To have a saving interest in Christ, you need to be To use a word from the authorised version, you need to be quickened. You need to be made alive. You need to be brought from spiritual death to spiritual life. You need to be converted. You need to be renewed. And only people who are born again can claim the babe in Bethlehem as being theirs. But maybe you ask, how can I know that I'm born again? or not? Well, let me try and answer that question by posing another question. Has there been a change effected by divine grace within you? Has there been a change effected by divine grace within you? Are your loves the very opposite of what they once were? Do you now hate the things that you once admired? Do you seek after those things that you once despised? Has there been a change in your desires? Where once your heart longed for sin, does it now long to be holy? The pleasures of the world that once seemed so important to you, Are they now the dross or chaff? And do you long for heavenly things? Are you renewed within? The new birth does not consist in washing the outside of the cup, but in cleansing the inner man. Do you know anything of that? Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have gone. old everything has become new. So has there been a change effected by divine grace within you? I can't answer that. And, and even those near and dear to you can't answer that. Only you can answer that. But let me put another question to you. Although the main thrust of regeneration is within, yet it will be evidenced externally. It will be something that is observable. And so here's the question. Has there been a change to your life externally? As other people look at you, As those nearest and dearest to you observe your life, are they compelled to say, this man or this woman is not what they used to be. There's been a change. Do your companions, your workmates, do they see a change? Oh, listen, there has to be a change. There has to be a change in the outward life or else there's been no change within. And it is observable. Even to your nearest and dearest. I think of a couple in one of my former congregations. And uh, I went to see them because the woman uh, came on the phone and she said, look, I want to tell you that uh, I've just become a Christian. So I went to see her. She told me she was driving home from a certain town and she just was overwhelmed by conviction of sin. She had to pull the car over and she just cried out to God for mercy. Her husband was there. And uh, I had to rush away uh, because I had to pick up my youngest child. And so this is a long time ago. That youngest child is now 33. <clears throat> but. I just turned to the husband and I said, what, what about you? He didn't speak. Weeks later, they came to a class for new believers. But he came on the strict understanding that it wasn't a profession of faith. He was just interested. He said, that's great. You come you come like that. His wife, him and his wife came. And, and at the end of the third meeting that we had, he stayed behind to tell me, that he too had become a Christian. And he had become a Christian that very day that I had gone to see his wife. And he said to me, Do you remember the question you asked me? And I says, I'm not too sure what was the question. You said, What about you? That was the question. And he says, When you left, we we had to go to Belfast. My wife went upstairs to get changed, and I came into the kitchen, got down on my knees and wept. And then he says, before my wife come down, got myself, my face washed, and, 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 and he says, I never let on. I never let on to his wife. And his wife interrupted. But I knew, she said. What do you mean? What do you mean? Every night at bedtime, she did her reading, and she handed the book to her husband. She read the passage, and he read the study, the poor sister portion of the study and she says I knew how did you know you were changed I could see the difference that's what I'm talking about not just an internal conviction there's got, it's got to be externally observable as well because you see the proof of the Christian life is in the living to other people the proof of our conversion is not what you feel but what you do To yourself, your feelings may be good enough, evidence, but to others who judge you, the outward walk is the main guide. Others see whether what you say matches up with what you do. Now, of course, a man's outward life may be very much like that of a Christian, and yet there may be no Christianity in him at all. Oh, take care. Take care that your outward life is not a mere stage play, a mere act. But that your antagonism to sin is real and intense. Oh, if you are truly born again, if you're truly born again, then you can say of a truth, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So that's the first question. Is it so? Is it? For you, is it so? If it is not so, this is the second question, what then? If you don't have a saving interest, the Lord Jesus then you cannot say unto us a child is born you cannot say unto us a son is given and that means in plain and simple terms that means you are without Christ and you are without hope so what do I say to you this evening if you're here tonight to celebrate the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ and you don't know him personally, what what do I say to you? Three things. First of all, you need to confess your sin. Not to me, not to any other uh, man or woman. You need to confess to the Lord. What does that mean? I, I don't know how to put this any simpler than saying, you need to get alone with God. You need to get into a quiet place, somewhere where your wife isn't annoying you or your husband, as the case may be, or your children. Get alone before God and confess your guilt. You don't need me to tell you that you're a sinner. I can say of a truth every single person in this room this evening as a sinner, including the person who's preaching. Surely you don't need to be convinced of that. But maybe you need to be convicted of that. And maybe, unknown to me, the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Maybe he has been convicting you for weeks and months, and you've done nothing about it. Well, here's what you need to do. You need to You get alone with God, and you need to confess to him your sin. You know, he tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who else is going to deal with your sin? Where else can you turn to deal with the guilt that is in your life? Only to Christ. That's the first thing. The second thing you need to do is renounce yourself. Renounce yourself. Maybe you've been resting on some hope that, that you could make yourself better. You know, if only you could tidy your life up a bit. Stop stop a few more bad habits. And in and, and, and some way, you could make yourself good enough more acceptable to God. Well, I'm here to tell you, you need to give up that delusion. You just need to give that up. You can do nothing by your best prayers, your best tears, or your best works to merit eternal life. Why, even the Christian who is converted to God will tell you that he cannot live a holy life by himself. The Christian, who is God's workmanship, can do nothing. Jesus said to his followers, without me, you can do nothing. And yet you think that that you can do something to save yourself. Give yourself up. Give up self. Confess your sin. Renounce your sin. Give up yourself. And lastly, when you've confessed your sin and given up all hope of self-salvation, go to the place where Jesus died in agony. Go to the cross. Because remember, that's why he came. That's why the babe of Bethlehem came. The crib points to the cross. The shadow of the cross, you know, looms over the crib in Bethlehem. He was born to die in our place. To be our savior, to be our substitute, to be a sacrifice. That's why the angels were rejoicing. They were singing praise to God, glory to God in the highest. Because God was intervening in human history. He was sending his son, his very best, into the world and offering him up as a sacrifice, sent him to take the punishment that we should have received so that a holy God could forgive guilty sinners like us. Why? Because the price is paid, but someone else paid it, the Lord Jesus. And you see, here's the thing. The price of your sin and mine has got to be paid. It's got to be paid because God is a just God. So either it will be paid by you through all eternity or in someone who came to be a substitute for God's people, even Jesus. And if he has paid the price, then a just and holy God and set you free, free from guilt, free from sin. Not only that, but be brought into the family of God. How is it put there in John's gospel? Listen to this promise. Well, it says in verse 11 that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Came to the Jews, didn't want to know. Verse 12, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name. And those two things mean the same thing. Received him and believed in his name mean the same thing. He gave the right to become children of God. Imagine, tonight, if you're not a Christian, even tonight, you can become children a child of God. And you can truly call God your father. He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will. In other words, not in the normal way that someone is born, but born of God born of God I urge you to do that at this Christmas season and then you'll be able to join in this chorus for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given unto us you're included in the us Let's pray together. Lord our God, we just thank you for the marvelous opportunity that this Christmas season brings to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that the angels in heaven, myriads of angels, were were joining and singing praise to you. It's almost like the angels couldn't believe it. How God intervened in the world and became a man. Oh Lord, those of us who know you and love you rejoice in what you've done for us. There's not one of us deserved it. there's not one of us have earned it. Lord, it was offered to us as a gift and we gladly took it. And you've been so good to us. You've continued to bless us every day. But Lord, there may be some here this evening and as yet, they're strangers to your grace. They, they Maybe Lord, you've been, you've been working with them over the last weeks and months and years maybe even. And you've been bringing them under conviction of sin. Oh God. I plead with you that even tonight there might be someone who will who will go home and get alone with you and bow before you and confess their guilt and plead with you for mercy because that is our only plea. We can't come to you, Lord, and plead any merit for we have none. But I pray that, God, you would draw someone some people to yourself, that they would cross over from death to life, that they would become a child of God, and that they would be able to say, for unto us, a son is given. Oh God, have mercy, we pray, and hear our prayer, and Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory, for Christ's sake, amen. Our closing praise is this lovely carol, O Holy Night. abide with us all and with all whom we love this night and then forevermore. Amen.